So a lot of people consider that they haven't lost their virginity unless they have PIV, penis and vagina sex. Um, and a lot of Christians like me were being raised in the church. I know a lot of religious kids who were like, we can do everything but. Hello and welcome to the first podcast for the Redefining Sex series. My name is Kirsty and I'm a proud lesbian woman on a mission to redefine sex. Before I do that though, I realised I've had no sex education. Really, all I was shown in school was how to put a condom on a banana. So I thought before I begin, I should chat to a qualified sexologist and get a proper sex education. This chat was so interesting and Jocelyn and I discussed all the different ideologies around sex in the mainstream and looked at ways that we can reclaim our own sexuality and some of the language that we should use to talk about sex. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed learning from Jocelyn. Thank you so much for your time and for talking to me. I really appreciate it so much. I was thinking that I don't feel like I've had a sex education at all. And now I'm about to make a series looking to redefine sex. So I should get a a sex education behind me first. (laughs) Learn some language, um, learn what we should be learning in school and then take that knowledge with me to the rest of the interviews so you are my guru and I'm excited to (laughs) that's funny but you know I think I think it's very rare for most people to have had a a proper sex education proper meaning like what is a proper sex education but I mean I didn't get a sex education either (laughs) my sex education was just like don't get pregnant and don't get an STI and here's how. Was your lack of sex education what inspired you to become a sexologist and a sex educator or why do you think you got into this field? Uh, Okay, so that's a little bit of a longer story. I started as a sex worker and I moved through the industry in a lot of different ways. Then uh, I got engaged to be married. I got into a serious relationship, so I quit everything for that relationship I quit the sex industry and that's when I sort of redirected and the birth of my coaching business was born yeah why do you think we why do you think we're so shit at talking about sex well so I love that you're asking this question it's I think it's it's not a cut and dry answer by any means right it's so complicated and everybody has their own um circumstances that contribute to all of the meanings they have and all of that around sex. But I think the, the, the quick answer would be, well, our language, we, we don't have the language, first of all, because we weren't taught this stuff in school, um, because our parents and their grandparents didn't know. And it, this is a very new field. Sexology is, is very new um, compared to most sciences and maths and everything. And so I think we're just scratching the surface of what we understand in terms of how sexuality is really integrated in part of being a human, you know, and I think religion really separated that for a long time Mm. and made it like this separate thing, but it's this separate sin. And I don't agree with that ideology. I believe that sex is innate with all of us from the time you're born, from before you're born even actually. There's studies showing that fetuses in the womb are sexual and have sexual responses. So it's not something that should be demonized because it's a natural way for you to be living on this planet. We're designed that way. It can be one of the most amazing things and it can be you know, used as a weapon and a horrible thing. 
you know, but that makes me say, well, that's all the more reason that we should understand it and talk about it and normalize it and be okay with it and understand it, you know? Um, So I think the taboo around it, for sure, I feel I can't, you can't not bring religion into that because that ruled our society and our culture and the way we think about things um, for so long. And even if you don't consider yourself religious now, the generations before you grew up in very religious worlds and there's no, like that shaped our culture, even our language, like you were saying, like the words that we have, for instance, virginity. Yeah. I was just going to bring that up. That's what I think I disagree. I disagree with the word entirely. I disagree with the concept entirely. And because historically it's been used to slut shame women and not men. Mm -hmm. And um, if anything, it's used to demean men because if they're a virgin, it's demeaning, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're a woman, it's you're valued, you're Mm -hmm. valued for that. Um, Because, and then once you lose your virginity, right? You're losing part of yourself. You're, you're impure now. You're, you're losing your purity. Like all of these uh, subconscious references in, is, is in our language, whether you think about it or not. So I, I detest the word. I like to, I prefer to use sexual debut. So when I had my sexual debut, you know, oh. I was 17 and that way it's, it's much more empowering and there's no slut shaming around yeah. any of and yeah. that's just one example. I mean, there's so many more, but um, we're discovering new language now. So I love that you are asking about that because how we talk about it is, I think, one of the key, the key things, yeah. key keys to it's, making this. Better. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I have such a problem with the word virginity. And I think back to high school and it was like so dominant and they went hand in hand whenever we talked about sex we talked about virginity and it was like this um need to be like I'm not a virgin like um I think that we had shame as well like um if we were virgins in school it was like you know you're a frigid um and then that virginity is linked to penetration between penis and the vagina so as like a gay woman in high school who's closeted all I'm thinking is like, I can't be a virgin. I have to get a penis in my vagina. And then I've had sex. And it's like that yeah. narrow minded view of sex. If I was talking about sex in this more holistic view and there was no genitals attached for everyone, it would be beneficial. And I, it does come to virginity. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> Why Big would, time. I, but I love sexual debut. It's so fabulous. <laughs> it's just like, way better. It's way better. It's so good and it's so empowering. That's such a good term. Yeah. I love that. No, but you're, I, I never even actually considered that until you just said that now. Yeah, of course. A lot of people consider that they haven't lost their virginity unless they have PIV, penis and vagina sex. Um, and a lot of Christians like me were being raised in the church. I know a lot of religious kids who were like, we can do everything but. Yeah. And then you're still a virgin right? So you're not, you're not sinning in the eyes of God, Mm. but like who, who gave you those rules? Who wrote that? (laughs) I mean, I think so much stress is caused for people even around masturbation because the church has said that it it is sinful and I just don't agree. Right. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, When people find out that I'm a woman who sleeps with women, they often straight out ask me, 
well, how do you have sex? Like, people, I find it so crazy that people can't fathom what sex is and they feel this, like, need to know how it works functionally. But so, but so the people who are asking you that are typically, let me guess, cis-gendered white males. Mm. Yeah. yeah, like I'd say 95% <laughs> of the time. They're like, but if my dick's not there, how does it work? <laughs> it's a shame. It's a shame, really. Um, okay, so we did touch on this a little bit. I do yeah. kind of blame porn for this, and like not just porn, also like mainstream movies, because it's whenever they show sex scenes, it's always men, or very, very often, man and woman, missionary, PIV sex. So that's the idea we're fed from a really young age. That's what sex is. And even the term foreplay, I kind of really, I'm not a fan of because it, it implies that any other activity other than this PIV sex is just like, you know, the, um, the intro artist, you know, it's like, it's like the, the intermission or whatever before the main event and it's, and, and the main event being penis. penis. And it's like, it doesn't, I don't, I don't agree with that hierarchy. Um, I, uh, an exercise I like to do with clients a lot is called the sexual hierarchy. And so you write down all of the activities, the sexual acts that you really enjoy, and then you like grade them and put them into a pyramid type shape. And so the ones that are the most important to you and that you enjoy the most, um, and that are like the most intimate are go at the top. And then you go down a level, down a level to the ones that are maybe platonic or not very sexual at all, that you're okay hugging or holding hands or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to see what people value in terms of what they think a sexual experience is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't think about this either, because again, it's not a, it's not a discussion we're having mm-hmm. very often in many places. Um, so it's, it's funny because some people, you know, would really consider PIV very intimate. For me, kissing's at the top of my pyramid. Kissing is the most intimate thing. I don't yeah. do that with very many people at all. Yeah. Um, I'm much more selective about that. But I have a different story and a different background being a sex worker and all of that. But, to, but we all have these hierarchies. So figuring out what that is and where you got these ideas from. Two, how come you think that that's the most sexual thing or that's the most intimate thing? Um, and, and uh, you know, decomposing that can be really helpful for you to figure out really where you are at with your sexuality because I don't believe in this box that we've been given. Mm-hmm. I believe that sexuality is fluid. I think it's, it's like a scale and you go back and forth on it all the time. You can be really sexual one day and maybe not so sexual another day. Maybe you want to try something really kinky and then maybe this time you want to be really traditional. And your tastes are going to change over time just like they do with music and food and clothing and everything else. As you mature and you grow and you take in more information about that thing, mm. you develop you, you develop and you mature and you grow into different tastes and stuff. And sex should be exactly the same way. Yeah. That, I love that pyramid. That's such a good idea. And it's like <laughs> at the peak, that's what's, and it's, it is, it's about intimacy and mm-hmm. that's sort of the key word. Yeah. Um, totally. I guess like the second part to, that I think when people ask me that 
like how does it work is like at first you're drawn back and you're offended and then you think okay well it's interesting that you don't know and I suppose I'm just one person and there are like millions of people having sex in so many different ways and I don't know how they're having sex either because we just don't know like we know PIV and we know what we've learned from ourselves so I shouldn't be so mad at you for asking but maybe is there a way that people can can ask like I'm definitely quite open and I want to educate people about others like the more we know about each other the more empathetic and better our society is I am open but is there a way and this is also helpful for me as I go and chat to like all these people who have such different sexual journeys for me that we can ask people about sex I think the pyramid is like a really good way to do it but if you do chat to someone and you want to learn about their sexuality what's some of the best languages and ways that you can do it without being rude or making someone uncomfortable so i think always before you ever delve into something that you know is going to be personal for somebody you should ask for consent so can i ask you a question that's maybe a little personal or can i ask you a question that maybe might make you a little uncomfortable you know or like i'm kind of afraid to ask you this but is it okay if i ask you about sex or your sex life yeah and ask if it's okay because maybe they're not in the mood or maybe they just had a fight with their partner or, you know, or maybe they just had five people do this to them and you're the straw that broke the camel's back that day. Yeah. And they're just whatever, or maybe they're totally fine with it and you can go ahead with the conversation. But I think asking consent is always the best way to go with that. Um, and I think being curious is, is a good thing. If you're being curious, like truly gently curious, then I think that's a great thing. But if you're asking because you have like a judgment about it, um, you know, people are going to sense that and not feel safe, first of all. Um, but second of all, then, then it's not your right to know. Because if you want to know so you can be judgy about it, then I don't agree with that. So check, check your own intentions too um, before you start you know, peeling people's personal lives open for your own benefit. (laughs) Yeah. Ask why. And then, yeah, ask yourself why you're doing it and then ask them if it's okay, if you can. Yeah. And then have the conversation. And then the more conversations we have, it's so simple, but like, it's so daunting that it seems hard, but really it's just common sense. (laughs) You know, I don't think that they want sex to be simple because then, um, it, it would be too easy for us to take our power back with that. It's, um, I, they want sex to be complicated. I mean, sex can be very complicated too, so I shouldn't just make these blanket statements. But even like, for example, with my son, I always used proper body parts, like then the, uh, the uh, um, autonomous name for like the body part always. Like your, this is your penis, this is your, you know, your anus, you know, this is your toe, this is your elbow. It shouldn't be any weirder to say mm. nipple, vulva, vagina, you know, it's not your PP, it's not your front bum bum. <laughs> like that's, that's, it's your vulva. And there should be nothing wrong with saying that, yeah. you know, and, and also women understanding the difference between the vulva and the vagina is a big thing, I think, mm-hmm. as well. <clears throat> but female anatomy is still such a mystery to even most women. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. As a woman, it feels like you go from it being your hoo-ha to your pussy. And there's like nothing yeah. in between. <laughs> and you're like, how the fuck did I get here? 
Why has no one taught yeah. me about it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually uh, have a name for mine. So I talk to her and everything like that. We have a really good relationship. I love her a lot. She did, And she loves me. We're really very symbiotic. Because um, not everybody is symbiotic with their body, you know? And like, yeah. some of my friends think I'm totally crazy. But I do it. I talk to her. She has a name. You know, I think sex is a really fascinating thing for us to understand because it's been, it's, it's, a, it's a, like I said, it's an innate part of who we are. You can't get away from it. Um, whether you're asexual or, you know, you know, demisexual or hypersexual, um, wherever you land on that spectrum, sex affects you. Um, even if it's because you feel like you're not participating because you're an asexual and so you can't relate, it still affects you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that spectrum we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I think the reasons why we have sex are, there's so many, so many, but ultimately it just always comes down to, I think, feeling good. And then yeah. like so many people, and of course there's so many reasons why people have a hard time enjoying sex Yeah. and it's, there's shame and there's, experiences that people have gone through what advice do you give people that like to help them get on that journey to start enjoying sex and have a healthy relationship with their own sexuality and start enjoying it so I think the the easiest thing you can do is to ask yourself questions and just get curious anytime you have a feeling or judgment come up about something so um you know, be gently curious with yourself, not judgmentally curious. Like, oh God, why is it that I'm always thinking about this thing? Like, that's not, that's not going to get you anywhere. You want to be gently curious with yourself. Like, oh, here I am noticing this about myself again. Hmm. You know, and you're going to get a lot farther with that attitude with yourself. Like, who taught me, you know, like we have meanings, we attach meanings to sex. So let's take an example. Let's say, you know, my partner says to me, I want to have a threesome and I've never had a threesome before. So I get extremely triggered because in my mind, I think, why does he want a threesome? Because I'm not good enough because I, because I'm not enough for him. Is he wanting to leave me? Uh, And we have, we go off in our mind about what it means without having a direct conversation with the partner. And then also without examining that, why do you feel like that that's what it, what it means? You know, so there's a, there's a lot of layers to that, but I think always asking yourself, you know, why do I feel this way? And like, who, who taught me that that's what the, this meaning is? Like, where did I learn that from? Where did I first see this, you know, or why do I think this way? And, and asking yourself those questions is a great place to start. You know, like if you were told that masturbation is bad, and so now you have this internal conflict every time you want to have a self-pleasuring session, then it would be worth it to break that down. Well, who taught me this? Who taught me that masturbation is bad? Why do I think this way? Is it true? Is it actually true? You know, is there empirical evidence to support this? And, and break it down. And then if it's not serving you, build a new belief. Figure out a new way that works for you, you know? And if you can't get there on your own, there's lots of professionals you can find to help you. There's lots of amazing resources on YouTube that are free. You don't want to pay for somebody. Um, there's, there's a lot out there. But sexology is the study of human sexuality, uh, but also how we think and feel about it. 
So recognizing how you're thinking and feeling about sex and the different sex acts or maybe a sexual orientation or is something your partner asks you to do or all of a sudden a fantasy you had or something you see in a movie that you think is really sexy that you never thought or you thought you thought was taboo or whatever it is. Something comes up and you're like, oh, you know, and you get triggered by something. That's always a really, really great place to start because that's your emotional sensor system being like, hey, there's something here for you to explore. Um, it's a growth opportunity is what mm. it is. Um, so I, that's where I always tell clients to start is with that. And then you go from there because everybody has different proclivities and experiences. Yeah. What they're into. So then that can vary. Yeah. But, but getting, getting okay in your own body is for sure number one. And just listening to yourself, like we're so just used to just shutting down anything that feels abnormal. And it, I get, it's must, is it just practice being like, oh, something's happening. I'm actually going to take the time and listen to. Yes, listen to it. totally. Yeah. It's, it's an awareness. It's, it's slowing down the timeline. It's, uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's just having an internal awareness and realizing like when you feel, you'll, you'll feel it in your body usually. It's a somatic thing that's attached to whatever belief you have. Because usually these are pretty deeply held beliefs when you're, when you're getting triggered by stuff. It's not some superfluous thing you just learned. It's like a deep-seated childhood belief usually. So you're going to feel that in your body. So when you, you'll, whatever it is, butterflies or your stomach drops or your throat closes up or Whatever the symptom is for you, it'll be different for everybody, but you'll know what it is when you feel it in your body. So that's your signal. Oh, wait a minute. Why am I feeling this way? Am I like, why am I judging that? Or why do I, you know, what am I thinking about this? Why do I feel bad? Why does this make me feel dirty? Mm. Um, or why don't I like this? Or why do I like this? And just getting curious with yourself without judgment, always mm. without judgment. That's the biggest thing, you know? And then you can, the more you accept what you're finding inside yourself, the more you're going to come into an integrated whole and feel really great about whatever it is that you're doing. Mm. Yeah. If, you're, if there's conflict inside you, then it, there, it's, it'll come out. There'll be conflict on the outside too. <laughs> you know, it's not going to work for very long. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I love that. So you do, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you educate the youth as well on sex education. Mm -hmm. So what kind of things do you tell the youth these days? Because I think that there will be people watching who are just like me and didn't have a sex education when they were youths. <laughs> and maybe we can catch up now. I'm just curious yeah. as to if there's like a difference in what the education is now. Oh man. Um, so it depends honestly on the age group obviously that I'm mm. speaking to. You can make it age appropriate, but like as a general rule, I always start with consent and body image. Um, because understanding, I think consent starts way younger than, um, far, far before we start having sexual encounters with other people, consent is taught to us and learned yeah. through family experiences like for for example let's say and I know I was forced to do this when I was a kid like hug hug or kiss somebody that you don't want to like a grandpa or a relative or something mm. and as a kid you're like I don't want to do that 
and your parents make you like, no, do, you know, give them a hug, give them a kiss, go sit yeah. in their lap or whatever it is. Um, and that is right there. You're teaching your child to not listen to their internal instincts and to ha- let somebody else who's in a position of authority violate their own personal boundaries. Do you think that that sets them up for really healthy sexual encounters later on in life? Yeah, wow. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. And it's a little thing that most of us don't think about, but these are these little instances where we're teaching our children how to uh, share their bodies, how to listen to their bodies, mm. and um, how to, whether or not consent matters, mm. honestly. Wow. Yeah. I had never thought about that. Like, how long have I carried that with me where I feel like, don't be rude, be polite. Yep. Be polite. Do as you're told. Obey yeah. your parents. Right? And it's, it's not, I don't think that that's a healthy mm. thing. So um, a lot of my conversations center around those topics first. So consent um, and then, you know, and respecting your own body and respecting other people and um, touch and, and how all of that plays into um, how we relate to each other at school or on the playground or, or whatever. And then I always have the conversation about the body parts too, because usually I have a session with parents. And so we talk about using proper um, anatomy names for body parts um, because that's also a really sly way to shame because what's wrong with saying vagina? Why do we have to say, you know, the front bum bum or your yeah. hoo or, you know, whatever it is because um, it's shameful. The, the unwritten or the unspoken meaning there is that it's shameful to say or talk yeah. about your actual vagina. So these are really small little tweaks that you can be doing from, you know, early on that really don't necessarily have to do anything directly with sex, but they do parlay into a lot of how we relate to sex later on in life, yeah. whether we realize it or not. Yeah. It's like how you were saying it's, um, it's always been separate, like sex is over here. And it's about yeah. learning and bringing it into our everyday life and normalizing it. And yeah. Learning totally. about consent in so much more than just, yeah, PIV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Come on, man. Why are we learning about fisting? Where's the fisting in sex education? <laughs> like, oh, my come goodness. On. Well, what do you think? Way better than a penis. <laughs> a penis can't do that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I that's what I'm kind of curious about because it's like yeah you go and because so many people learn about sex from porn so like yes. when I was like oh, I'm attracted to women how do I have sex with them you watch porn and it's like what the yeah. hell so for sure like young people teaching them those things that you said do you think in high school we should learn like sex positions is that yeah totally place yeah yeah I think so I think so. Why not? I think, I think there should be a safe place for kids to come to and talk, whether it's with a registered health nurse or a sexologist that comes in for a workshop or whatever. Yeah. There, there needs to be a safe place for people to come and ask questions. Um, so often I like to also just do like a mystery box so kids can write their questions and drop them into the box so it's anonymous. Mm. Um, because it's so, people are so uncomfortable. Lots of people aren't going to raise their hand and be like, I have a question about this super embarrassing thing that I have no idea how to talk about. Yeah. So, um, making the culture okay and, and protecting, making it a safe, you got to make a safe environment, you know? Um, so I do my best 
to definitely do that. But like, yeah, I do think that kids could benefit, the youth could benefit from having more explicit um, sex ed. I do. Because it's kind of like, exactly. It's like you uh, said your sex education existed of don't get an STI, don't get pregnant, basically, which is Mm. the same for me too. And for most people, I think. And that's kind of like the equivalent of saying, like, you're going to go to driver's ed, but we're only going to ever show you videos of car accidents. Yeah. And like, what can go wrong? Is that going to make a good driver? (laughs) No. That's like one small (laughs) fraction of like what a driving experience is. Mm. So like right now, I feel sex ed is kind of the equivalent of that. It's kind of like all car crashes and like death. And because they're trying to scare, but that's like trying to scare you from not driving. Yeah. That's not, that's not the purpose. We want people to be able to be safe drivers and happy drivers and healthy drivers. So, you know, I, <laughs> it should be the same with sex, you know? Yeah. Like, that's great. I think um, I, I have this conversation a lot with uh, folks who come to me through the surrogacy portion of what I do because uh, uh, kids who, well, I shouldn't say kids because they're not, they're adults, but um, children who have disabilities um, often are still very entrenched with their parents um, in terms of caregiving. So um, we work together a lot. So they have a hard time, but this is true for parents who don't just have kids who have physical disabilities. It's true for parents who uh, also have um, kids with no physical disabilities, but I think it's hard for parents to think of their kids as sexual beings. And that, that in and of itself is something I think to be explored because my view is that I can't it's, I believe it's innate yeah. and there's different, there's different stages that we go through obviously with our maturation and our sexuality, but thinking we can keep them from being sexual is a misnomer. That's not correct. Mm. They are born sexual. And so helping them accept that and understand that is the beginning of helping them have a healthy sexual relationship with themselves and then later with partners. Um, so I want him to grow up feeling satisfied and happy and healthy. I don't want him growing up feeling scared and like afraid. I want him to be aware of consequences, but I don't have to use fear as my only modicum of learning for that. Yeah. You know? Totally. And that's what they're doing with sex, most sex education now. Some, some programs have gotten better. Um, so I have hope that it will, it's getting better at least marginally in some places. But for now, I guess it's up to us to educate ourselves after we get out of school. (laughs) The media is getting better, like that new show on Netflix, Sex Education. I love that show. God, it's so good. Like it just is so good. Yeah. More shows like that, please. I just think like... (laughs) Yeah, and it's like we were saying before, like people don't understand sex because of the media. Like we need more shows like that and yeah, we need to listen to ourselves and oh, this was such a good chat and um, <laughs> I learn a lot <laughs> and you're amazing. <laughs> oh, well, I had a good chat too. This was really, this was great fun. If you'd like more information and resources, head to Jocelyn's website, mojomediator.com. I'll link it in the show notes and hit her up for a chat. 
Next week, we will begin editing the current definition of sexual intercourse when I talk all things lesbian sex with one of my best mates, Courtney. Thanks for listening. See you next week.